Welcome everybody to podcast today for July. No, no, you see, I, 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 I even took a moment. I even took a moment to check a moment ago. To, to, you know, it's August, Gar. It's not July. We're into August. The year's pretty much over. It's August. Nope, still July came out of my mouth. August 1st, 2016. August 1 morning, of course. Tito Ortiz for life. I'm sure that appeals to a wide, broad podcasting audience. Anyway, you might remember a whole two days ago, I had the most definitive Pixar ranking list of all time. You know, I made it even more definitive than the last time. Well, that lasted about two days. In, in the last two days, I saw Finding Dory. So now I'm going to review Finding Dory and update my definitive Pixar ranking list to become even more definitive. I've I've worked very hard to make it even more definitive. It takes a lot of effort to take something that you saw super ultra duper mega whatever I said definitive and make it even more so. But, you know, it took me a whole... 97 minutes. That's, that's a lot of work. <laughs> Anywho, Finding Dory. It was accompanied actually by a short called Piper. It's about a little bird who, who learns how to eat other creatures. That's basically what the, that short is about. But yeah, it's sweet. It's nice. It's more of a technical trailer than a than a heartwarming story. There's a nice little story there. It's more like, look how nice we can make birds in the sea look now. And it's sunset. Yeah, we're so good at making things in animation. Which, they are. They are very good at making things in animation, so, you know, you can't really give out about that. As shorts go, it, it wasn't great. It was better than Lava, but Lava's the worst. Lava, Lava didn't work at all. Anywho, Finding Dory, the sequel to the 2003 film, which if you listen to the podcast today more than once, you would have heard me review that two days ago. There's people who waited 13 years for this film. I technically only waited two days for it. It is a direct sequel set one year after the events of Finding Nemo, where... Dory remembers enough of her parents to know that she misses her parents and wants to go find her parents and then Marilyn's like I don't really want to go help you find your parents but I'll do it anyway because you know I kind of owe you for helping me out you know saving my son from being kidnapped by dentists because dentists are objectively the worst. Does anyone like dentists? I suppose dentists like dentists. Do dentists even like dentists? Who knows but Dory goes out onto the, the wide open ocean again looking for her mother and her father from whom she was separated and that leads them to a marine institute and that's where most of the film is set. Ellen DeGeneres is back as Dory, Albert Brooks is back as Marlon, Hayden Rollins takes up the role of Nemo because the person who did the voice of Nemo was 22 at this stage though he is in the film as passenger Carl so you know that's that's a nice little that's a nice little nod you know obviously he couldn't still do the one year later voice of Nemo he would sound too old but it's like just put him in the film it's the same way that Toy Story even though like Andy had a very limited role in all of the Toy Story films they still got the the same guy who did Andy back for Toy Story 3 it's like they didn't need to do that no one would know the difference but it's it's just that nice little touch that nice little piece of continuity where they try and at least keep their films consistent so far so much as is reasonable but yeah it's it's a sequel to a fault it feels a lot like a greatest hits version of finding nemo all of like the the peril they're put in and all of the the thrills they go through and even a lot of the, the kind of emotional arcs they hit on are are very similar to the first film, especially when you watch the first film two days before you watch this film. I think that tends almost not to help when with these kind of films, which are, are sequels to a fault. But it's not bad. It's it's the furthest thing from bad. It, it's sweet. It's well voiced. It looks gorgeous. Of course, it looks gorgeous. There's more shades of blue in here than there are in the real world. They've invented shades of blue for this film. It's like different colors, different waters, different things under the sea. Under the sea, ba 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 da. It's a good song. 
Anyway, <laughs> there's there's new voice cast people like Dominic West and Idris Elba are a bunch of sea lions. Tyrell is a whale. Ed O'Neill is a cranky octopus or a septopus, as is pointed out in the film. It's it's fun. It's fairly solid. I just as I'm looking at the Wikipedia now, I'm rather upset that there's a post credit scene with the tank gang. That is very upsetting. I would have liked to see that, but I left because you know. Who wants to sit there and watch the credits, especially for an animated film, which is like 7 million people. I admire your work, but I'm not willing to say there to see your name flash by the screen faster than I can see it. See, I was wondering, I was looking at the, the cast list, and it's like, oh, it's all the people that were in the, the first one, but they weren't in the film. But yeah, they're in the post-credits. That's what the DVD is for, or the on-demand version. That's happened to me a lot, actually, where I'm too lazy to get out of bed. I've been watching a film on Netflix, and I'm too lazy to get out of bed just to, like, turn off the credits. So I just let it roll. Maybe like tweeting or something. It's just like, ugh. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll end eventually. <laughs> Netflix is probably depriving people of watching credits actually, because for the most part, especially for a television show, it just moves on to the next thing. Yeah. What this film lacks is the same thing that really helped drive the the first film. It's just as much about finding somebody, but it's not about somebody finding themselves quite as much, because it is somewhat about Dory understanding that you know she's pretty good despite our faults and despite our shortcomings, that who we are is enough. And that's that's a nice message, you know? Not everyone's perfect, but who you are is enough. And then you should believe in who you are and you should trust in who you are. That's a nice message to come out of the fil this film and that's pretty much the message of this film. But the first film had the this kind of two separate arcs of Marlon finding his son, but also finding himself. And I think that worked a lot better than it did in this one. Even the moment where, where Dory, spoilers of course, is finally reunited with her family. It's a Pixar film, she hardly wasn't going to be reunited with her family. Is it, it lands, but not in the same way that, say, Finding Nemo does. As I said, it's Finding Nemo just a little worse. And not, not so much that it's bad, because as, as I'll say in a moment, I will definitively rank the Pixar films again, and I'll talk about that next in a second, but it's good. It's solid. It's, aside from Toy Story sequels, which were all great, and they should be removed from the sequel discussion of Pixar films just because they're all good, it's better than the Kara sequel, it's better than the Monsters, Inc. sequel. So, you know, they're getting better at sequels. <laughs> so that brings me to the definitive list, the, the now actually definitive list, until they release another film and I have to make it more definitive. I have to come up with a new word than definitive if, if they release another film, which they are going to release another film. They're Pixar, they're hardly going to stop releasing films. And somehow I'll have to invent a new word that means more definitive than definitive. Anyway, <laughs> 17 is Cars 2, 16 is Brave, 15 is Monsters University, 14 is The Good Dinosaur, 13 is Cars, 12 is A Bug's Life, 11 is Finding Dory. It goes in toward the end, in the middle of the end pack. 10 is Monsters, Inc., 9 is Ratatouille, 8 is Toy Story 2, 7 is Toy Story, 6 is The Incredibles, 5 is Finding Nemo, 4 is Up, 3 is Toy Story 3, 2 is Inside Out, and 1 is Wally. -E. I figure you can break them into three kind of broad tiers. There's The Good Dinosaur, Monsters University, Brave and Cars, which are... None of them are bad films, but they're all, they're all right. They're, they're, well, I think Cars 2 is a bad film, but they're, they're the, the lower tier, the, the lower pecking order of Pixar films, as I'm making hand motions, by the way, to myself on a podcast that nobody can see. And I pointed them out for everyone to see, but you still can't see them because that's not how podcasts work. Then there's the next tier, which is Ratatouille, Monsters, Inc., Finding Dory, A Bug's Life, and Cars, which are all good films. They're all just good, solid, 
pieces of filmmaking with good stories and good messages, but they're not great. And you can kind of, they're kind of interchangeable. Like any of those on any given day, I'd probably prefer one to the other. And they're, they're the middle tier of good, but not quite greatness. And then from Toy Story 2 up are all masterpieces. So that's Toy Story 2, Toy Story, The Incredibles, Finding Nemo, Up, Toy Story 3, Inside Out, and Wally. And those... Those are Pixar's masterpieces. Those are the, like, we just hit a home run and we know it. So yeah, that's my definitive ranking of Pixar films. Plus, my brief discussion on Pixar tiers. The, the three different tiers of Pixar films. You can listen to new episodes of podcasts today every single day at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. You can subscribe on iTunes, just search TWS Network. You can subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter, at Garrett Gidney, G-A-R-R-E-T-T-K-I-D-N-E-Y. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye.